The Marlins find a way to win. Sloppy wins. All wins count the same at this point, and all wins are necessary. The Marlins dropped game one to the Mets, but bounce back, find a way to walk it off with the Burger Man doing it again against the Mets. Tons to get into. This is Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, of course, hit subscribe. It's your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. There is a YouTube channel, of course. It is called Locked On Marlins. Head on over to there, hit subscribe. Also, if you are watching, it's the Wednesday episode. Welcome to Wednesday's episode. There is no guest. Zero guests, solo pod, just myself in this one. If you are watching, you have the graphics, which will let you know the rundown. Sloppy win. Raya's ankle. Garrett Hampson at shortstop, question mark. Tanner Scott. Burger walk-off. Yuri Perez, game three. Also, we got some, some discussion around poles, and specifically foul poles. Jorge Soler, foul poles, and testing that situation and that current situation. Uh, Before we do that, though, this episode is sponsored by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, guys, it is the Wednesday episode, the 20th of September. The Marlins have game three this evening against the Mets. The series is currently tied, one apiece. Luckily for the Marlins, they found a way to win yesterday. And it was what I would describe as pretty sloppy. And overall, this series, it's probably been pretty sloppy in general. Unfortunately, some of that has come down to uh, some erratic base running, some errors in the field, some, you know, some a blown save thrown in there. Like the Marlins, after a stunning series against the Bravos, uh, it definitely hasn't been that clean over the past couple of days. But, as I mentioned, frankly, at this point, it isn't about, you know, looking good. 36 runs in a series. It looks amazing, right? It pads the stat lines. Everyone gets hyped about it. But what we really want to see is gritty Marlins dubs. The sign of a good team is winning games when you're not playing well. The Marlins, I would say, haven't played well this series, but they're still split in the series right now. The New York Mets, as I described heading into this series, is a trap series because you look at the standings, and the records, and you will think, should be an easy dub for the Marlins, right? Maybe a sweep. Let's keep the sweep vibes going. The problem when you do that with a team like the Mets, the most expensive roster ever assembled, okay, they've traded away a few guys, so maybe they've ticked that down a bit. Nevertheless, there's still a lot of talent. And there's a well-used phrase 
from 2022 that I think really fits the Mets right now. And that is this, this record isn't indicative of the talent on the roster. Was that the right way? Have I said that the right way? I think I have. You know, the record isn't indicative of the talent on the roster because there's tons of talent. You've got Frankie Lindor in there. You've got Pete Alonso in there. You've got Nemo in there. You've got tons of guys that can do some damage. The Mets, still a good team. They're just underperforming. They've underperformed this year. There's a lot of talent around there. And who knows what the offseason will bring for the New York Mets. However, if you were expecting the New York Mets to roll in here and be completely terrible, a team that's littered with like bum prospects and dudes that are flaming out, then you haven't been watching the Mets, clearly. And let's not forget, the Mets spanked the Diamondbacks just last week as well. This was a trap series in many ways because the expectation levels were high because the Mets, they haven't been playing well this season. But there's a lot of talent there, and this is why the Marlins themselves have to play well. They haven't played well this series, but they're still, they've still split the series. And that is the hallmark of a team and a good team, beating teams when you're not playing well. And in yesterday's game, let's go back to Tuesday evening. The Marlins, listen, they, they got another quality start out of Braxton Garrett. Not just quality in terms of you know the actual stat line or however you, you know, it wasn't just that it qualified as a quality start. That's what I'm trying to say. It was actually a quality start. <laughs> it could have got sideways though early. Clearly in that, in that first inning, uh, things could have got sideways quick. But Braxy again? I mean, name me a more underrated dude, a more underrated starting pitcher in 2023 than Braxton Garrett. I, I dare you. I don't think you can. The dude, the dude, frankly, should be getting some Cy Young votes. He's probably been that good. I mean, he got he had one blow-up game in particular, I remember, against the Braves when he just had to just eat it. Other than that, it feels like Brax has just been so smooth all year long. Me and Sean Barrett on Monday were talking about Brax. The fact that going into a let's say a three-game post, you know, post-series, post-series postseason series, a three-gamer, you know, would, would Braxy be getting the ball in, what, game one, two, or three? Kind of depends on the Sandy situation, but even if Sandy's there and Sandy's healthy, the way Braxton Garrett has pitched this year, then he'd have to get the ball, wouldn't he? He is the most undervalued pitcher, I would say, in baseball more generally. And I understand why non-Marlins fans haven't really heard of Braxton Garrett. I get that. But even as Marlins fans, we underrate Braxton. We heavily underrate him, undervalue him. He's been an absolute stud this year. He's been better. He's been better than Sandy Alcantara. How about that? Braxton Garrett has been miles better than Sandy Alcantara this season in the total body of work. Who could have seen that coming? No one. And it isn't a fluke. Braxy was the same last year too. Sandy's obviously not had as good a season this year as last year. But Braxton Garrett has had a, a better season than Sandy. And no one knows about him. He's absolutely top draw. Let's go back to game one as well. Just carrying on this, this starting pitcher theme. Because this, this isn't where the Marlins have been sloppy. But Eddie Cabrera, 
back into the starting rotation, starting a game. They've obviously kind of played around with this kind of opener situation. They didn't go with that. They were like straight up Eddie out there. And Eddie, probably his best or one of his best performances this season in particular, I would say. Stakes were high. They needed a start. They got a start. Just two walks. So Eddie Cabrera absolutely showing what he can do. And frankly, at this point, Eddie Cabrera and the Marlins, you know, the Marlins are assessing Eddie looking into 24. They're working out, can we trust this guy? There's no minor league options remaining on Eddie Cabrera now. So it is major league or bust for him with the Marlins. It's going to be very interesting in the offseason to see what happens with Eddie just in general. You do wonder where the Marlins maybe look to go and acquire some maybe some additional offensive talent if they have some discussions around Eddie. We saw it in a previous offseason where they entertained that conversation around trading Edward Cabrera. And they've got Trevor Rogers. They've got Sixto, maybe. They've got Max Meyer. They've got a few other guys um, that maybe could help them as well. Um, we'll wait to see what happens with Johnny Cueto. Assumption maybe is that Johnny Cueto won't be back. Um, maybe rightly so. Um, feels like the, the dollars could be reallocated elsewhere. Um, speaking of reallocating dollars elsewhere, let's talk about our good friends over at Sleeper. First ad of the day. We'll get the Sleeper graphics pumped up there too, which is great to see. And the MLB playoffs are around the corner, guys, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now, with studs like Acuna, Betts, and Otani now on the IL. But pick more or less on stats for these stars, like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big time. Big time. What are you fancying on the, on the strikeouts? What are you fancying on the strikeouts for Yuri Perez in this evening? I'm, I'm taking you over on that. Absolutely love Yuri Perez. He's been on fire. Anyway, use the promo code locked on and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, thanks for joining me, Peter Pratt, on Wednesday's episode of Locked On Marlins. We've spent a ton of time talking about people that weren't even on the rundown. So those that are watching and thinking, Pete, you haven't even started talking about the rundown. You know, segue. But a good segue, Braxy Garrett, Eddie Cabrera. We need to talk about these guys. We have to. But what we do also need to talk about is a sloppy win. However, predating that last night, Luis Arias scratched from the lineup. Boy, oh boy. And the post-game comments did not fill me with confidence on Luis Arias. He was in the lineup. He ends up rolling his ankle uh, by standing on a ball while doing some drills at second base. He was, you know, hobbling off the field after that, ends up scratched. Was then asked about how he's feeling. Was he available to pinch hit? Luis Arias, no. I didn't even make it to the dugout. I can't even stand on it. I can't walk. This could be huge for the Marlins. If, you know, Skip after the game said, you know, Luis Arias, he's day-to-day. And maybe he'll go for a scan or two, who knows. But, you know, listen, I... I actually did the same thing the other day playing tennis and rolled my ankle and immediately it felt horrendous. But I'm a couple of days on now and it's loosened up and, you know, I was okay. I played tennis yesterday evening too. So, you know, a couple of days, hopefully he's back. It's that initial shock, but, you know, who knows? But that post-game feedback pff, did not fill me with confidence whatsoever. 
that he couldn't even stand on it. Um, couldn't, you know, was he bearing weight? I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, the way Lewis Arise has been swinging his stick, Marlins can't afford to lose that. And as we always say, and as I, as I always say, and we say on this podcast, like, you know, Arias is the catalyst of the offense. Like when Arias is going and it's multi-hit games, like the Marlins offense is usually coming alive, uh, particularly when you got Soler behind him and then Bell and Berger, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we'll wait to see. I haven't seen any news thus far. It's only quarter to six UK time. So uh, we're quarter to one Eastern um, PM. So no news on today's lineup thus far, but we pray that Arias is okay. Maybe he has to miss today. We'll wait to see. But hopefully it isn't like a serious injury. We're going to badly, you know, we badly need Arias in the lineup for the next, you know, frankly, the next four games. I mean, there's what, the Brewers are, are coming into town as well. So you've got Senga going for the Mets. That's going to be tough. I mean, he's in the Cy Young conversation, probably going to be edged out. But, you know, he's a top three Cy Young candidate, Senga, this season. We saw him really early in the year against the Marlins. And I remember seeing this ghost fork ball thing they were talking about. It was stunning. Stunning, to be honest with you. I feel like Senga's season's kind of gone under the radar too. Maybe because the Mets have been so poor in terms of their record. That maybe that's why Senga's season has, you know, not really flashed like others have. I mean, it's easy to be kind of drawn into like a Clayton Kershaw or... You know, fair play to Zach Gallen, because I guess the Diamondbacks are a story this year, and Zach Gallen has been performing well. But, you know, on the face of it, you know, Sanger and Gallen, they're not a million miles apart. It's funny, like the Cy Young situation, just starting pitching in general this year, right? The 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 barometer, the baseline of elite has changed. It has changed. It's changed because the rules have changed. And a lot of the statistics that, you know, are ingrained in baseball are going to be impacted and have been impacted by these rule changes. And so, you know, in history, when we look back, you know, a lot of people talking about Ronald Acuna, obviously, with his, you know, he's approaching a 40-70 season, which is absolutely insane. But forever in history will be a little note, rule changes into 2023 linked to base running. And, you know, 70 bases, whilst it feels high, versus the previous kind of watershed and historical numbers and the way baseball had been, you know, is 70, like what, what does 70 become? What does 40, 70 become? I still think that's going to be elite, by the way. But I, I've segued into Ronald Acuna for some reason. Didn't mean to. Want to talk about the pitching. But like, like we've seen with Sandy, like we've seen with other guys, generally the numbers have kind of risen, the ERAs and et cetera, et cetera. Like it is just going to raise because the field in – you know, there's there's restrictions on the fielding. There's they're being sped up. The pitchers like they're gonna get tireder. They're gonna just make more mistakes. Um, so Senga's season has been impressive, and the Marlins have got to face him. They've then got to face um, another couple of quality pitchers. Three of them: Burns, Woodruff, Peralta um, for the Brewers. So four games on the spin here um, for the Marlins where they will be facing some really high quality competition. So they need loser Ayers back. I want to talk about Garrett Hampson. I want to talk about Garrett Hampson in, in respect of shortstop. So let's talk about it from a defensive perspective. Garrett Hampson, for me, at shortstop has looked very athletic, very rangy, very impressive at shortstop. And frankly, like Joey Wendell has been fine at short. He makes the majority of plays that he should. He's been okay. He's been serviceable. 
Joey Wendell's not an elite, elite shortstop where he has to play and the glove plays to such a high level where, you know, the bat doesn't matter. You can carry that bat because the, the defense is so good. I don't think that's true with Joey Wendell. I think he's been fine. I think he's been okay. I think he's been good. But Garrett Hampson, if he was the, sh- the starting shortstop defensively, is it a downgrade? Heck, it may even be an upgrade. I don't know. Like, Hampson is just a, he's, he's a pro as well. Um, we're at that stage of the year right now where, and Skip spoke about it post-game yesterday. Uh, Hampson obviously impacting the game as well. Another RBI yesterday. We're at that time of the year, 10 games to go, guys, by the way. Just, you know, FYI, there's only 10 games remaining in the 2023 regular season. It's wild. Where's this season gone? But how has it been so tight and so painful for the Marlins? I don't even know. <laughs> it's been crazy. 10 games to go. This is about riding those hot sticks, riding those hot guys. And frankly, Garrett Hampson personifies that. Garrett Hampson is the hot stick. He's the hot glove too, by the looks of it. And it's fair to say that Joey Wendell is in the complete opposite of that situation. Wendell defensively is still okay. But offensively, Joey Wendell has been mired in a slump that seems to have gone on for months at this point. And I think it's now time to pretty much just transition Wendell out of the starting role at shortstop. And I think really, depending on, you know, this Luis Arias situation. But for me, I think we're at a point where we pretty much need to see Garrett Hampson out there every day at shortstop. That feels pretty wild to say, you know, from considering where we are, where we've been, what the expected situation was this year. But for us to effectively be begging for Garrett Hampson to be playing shortstop every day for the Marlins at this point does feel a touch wild. But at this point, feels necessary. So I'm, I've got my eyeballs on this situation. I'm just wondering, you know, Skip speaks really highly of Garrett Hampson. He spoke very highly of him yesterday post-game. And I do just wonder here, do we see a slight shift more into Garrett Hampson starting more often at shortstop because he's coming up and, you know, where there's a big spot, there's a big hit to be had, Garrett Hampson can deliver. We saw that in the Mets series. If you think all the way back to that in the Mets series, the Brave series, sorry, the Brave series, you think all the way back, Garrett Hampson came up with a massive hit scoring Jazz Chisholm Jr. all the way from first base. That got the run going. That got it started, um, you know, in that game, in that comeback as well. So some big knocks for Garrett Hampson. Um, right now, I, I, you know, I probably want to see like an 80% share where Hampson's starting at shortstop, irrespective of like platoons and splits and all sorts, who's on the mound. Frankly, at this point with Wendell's production, you know, I don't think it matters. I think... you've got to roll with Hampson. The Marlins clearly have no confidence in Xavier Edwards at shortstop. So it pretty much boils down to, do you want Wendell there? Do you want Hampson? Maybe John Birdie. Which of those three guys? And Birdie spent some time obviously playing in the outfield, doing what he's needed to do. Um, You know, the usual utility roles, but I'd like to see Garrett Hampson starting the majority of games for the Marlins at shortstop. And this could be... It could be kind of a, it's a similar but unsimilar situation. So I don't know, really know why I'm bringing it up. I'm going to carry on the sentence because I've started it. <laughs> 
it kind of feels a touch kind of Chad Wallachy with Georgie Alfaro, where Alfaro kind of started the majority of the year a catcher, if you remember, in 2020. Then all of a sudden, right at the back end of the year, Chad Wallach kind of emerged because Alfaro was just that bad. Wallach emerged, and then Wallach effectively supplanted Georgie Alfaro as the starting catcher, like the last but one game of the regular season and into the postseason. I could see something similar happening here with, with Garrett Hampson and Joey Wendell. I really can. All right, guys, final out of the day. So we will cover that one. And um, and then we'll finish up. I want to talk about Tanner Scott. I want to talk about Yuri Perez. I want to talk about Jake Berger. We haven't even spoke about a, a Berger walk-off, which is absolutely glorious to see. But this episode is brought to you uh, by our good friends over at Jace Medical. Um, I've now lost the graphics. No, I've got the graphics. That's good. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, um, there was there's some technical problems here. But anyway, modern, modern medical care and treatment are important, uh, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out their online form, and one of Jace Medical's board-certified physicians, yes, I got that word correct, um, we'll review it to determine whether medical whether medications are safe and appropriate. Then Jace will send your prescriptions to one of their partners where you your order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. You can also send your physician, yes, sir, I'm on a roll, a message for answers to treatment-related questions anytime, anytime. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. You can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional 20 bucks off by using my code, and that code is locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E for Jace and jacemedical.com. All right, guys. Final segment of the day on Wednesday's episode. You are with my good self, Peter Pratt. Um, no Sean Barrett today. And want to talk about, let's start with the, the highs. Let's talk about Jake Berger, baby. Another walk-off, another one against the Mets. Jake Berger coming up in a big, big spot. Huge spot here for the Marlins, to be honest with you. There was a bit of voodoo sprinkled into this game and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But when it came down to it, this is another huge knock from Jake Berger. This is coming off the back of a huge knock, if you recall, in that game two against the Braves. That two-run scud that just about cleared the wall. That opened the floodgates in that game. Jake Berger continuing to deliver for the Marlins. Continuing to come up big in big spots. And that's what it's all about. They were on the back foot. There was a Tanner Scott special from 2022. Not from 23, but there was a Tanner Scott blown save in there. Um, we're going to talk about Tanner very shortly. Um, but Berger came up big time. Let's transition to this bullpen. What we've seen in the past couple of weeks, in my opinion anyway, has been Puck, Nardi, Scott. Those are your three. We should also talk about the fact that Matt Moore claimed by the Marlins. He wasn't with the club, though, yesterday, but he was claimed by the Marlins. So you have another lefty joining this bullpen. The Marlins are incredible, right? They've got eight second basemen in the offense, and they've got 
seven or eight lefties out of the bullpen. They love a profile. Kim Ang loves building a profile. I want contact hitters to play second base, and I'll find a position for them. And I want lefty arms that can throw incredible sliders. That seems to be the profile. Anyway, Matt Moore um, won't be eligible for the postseason for the Marlins. However, he will be available for the next 10 games, let's say, to come out of the pen. Um, It didn't work out for him in Cleveland after they gazumped the Marlins. They did try to claim him uh, earlier on. They finally get their guy, not available for the postseason, but still a big league arm that has played well earlier in the season, uh, which is always a, a nice little boost here for the Marlins, considering they've had that that one spot in the bullpen that's continually kind of rotating around. So for me, that's useful. But what we have seen, Puck, Nardi, Scott. Nardi, new hairdo, by the way. He's got the Lewis Arise. I think Lewis Arise has kind of loosened his uh, cornrows, though. So... I don't know what's going on. Those guys are kind of swapping hairdos. But Puck yesterday ends up, we end up with the bases juiced. Bases juiced, he then exits the game. Nardi comes in, gets the out, clears the bases juice jam. That is Andrew Nardi to a T. AJ Puck got hit with the ball. By all accounts, he's okay. So that was also lucky and good to see that he's fine. I've still no idea what's happened to AJ Puck. I've no idea how he started so immensely earlier on and then has just... You know, he's had some wobbles. He had some home run challenges. Um, His confidence feels like it's built back up, but I don't still fully trust AJ Puck, to be honest with you. I'm not sure AJ Puck trusts himself, to be honest with you. Um, Even so, Skip kind of trusts him more than most in the seventh inning, and that seems to have become his role. Feels like Robertson has kind of slid backwards to maybe the sixth inning, maybe the seventh, but Robertson hasn't pitched in a ton of, uber high leverage spots obviously pitched in game one um bit of bit of traffic for him and then he got a nice little uh favorable call let's say on the outside of the zone um speaking of favorable calls in that game one we need to talk about foul poles and the fact that Jorge Soler hit what would have been could have been a three-run blast it was called a home run on the field initially lights came on Jorge Soler ran in the bases I'm not sure if the lights went off I don't really know what happened um, then the umpires get together and rule out. And no, it was actually a foul ball. The ball was hit that high that it went over the foul pole. And so you're left in that situation where you're trying to work out, was it fair? Was it foul? Fundamentally, it looked close. Fundamentally, the question I have is, why in 2023 uh, do we have uncertainty around this topic? Uh, could you have higher poles? Could you have ball tracking technology that you trust? I've just watched the whole U.S. Open, tennis U.S. Open. There's not one line judge on the courts. Not one. you got an umpire, a couple of ball boys and ball girls, and two players, if it's singles anyway. Ball technology and tracking technology is so advanced these days. So advanced. So I've no idea why Major League Baseball decides to have this archaic system where you have a pole stuck up in the air and if it hits the pole it's in if it misses it it's not but if it goes over we'll just guess and we'll just take a best guess as we can seems a little bit crazy could be a big moment for the fish was a big moment in game one again they didn't play well in that game but that was a game-changing decision it didn't go the marlins way but it could you know could come back to haunt them But at the root, when you dig into that, you start to question, why are things this way? And when the answer 
often when you ask that question and you get the answer of, because that's the way we've always done it around here, you know that that is probably an out-of-touch and out-of-date system. So imagine that happened in the World Series, people losing their minds. You know, it's not optimal. And it could be fixed and it could be better. Enough said about that. Yuri Perez is going this evening. Actually, one more thing from last night. The attendance. Let's just talk about that briefly. The attendance of yesterday's game, just over 10,000. I have to be honest, it's a little bit eyebrow-raising that the fact that the Marlins in their final homestand of the season in a wildcard position can only get 10,000 in the ballpark. That is wild. By all accounts, the weather wasn't amazing. By all accounts, all the Mets are out of it. But frankly, um, as a fan base, that's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing number. And other clubs will look at this and say, this is an unserious, it isn't an unserious club and franchise. It isn't. The Marlins are serious. Kim Ang is serious. This fan base is unserious. Fan base fully unserious. 10,000 to watch the Marlins in pretty much a must-win game. These are like postseason games. They are must-win. 10,000 there. It's embarrassing. I think there were 17,000 there on, on the Monday game. A few dogs thrown in there too. By all accounts, the, the attendance looks to be better over the weekend series with the Brewers, which makes sense. I mean, it's easier to watch baseball potentially on a weekend. Not working, I guess. But I look at other clubs. And I look at other attendances on a daily basis, and they're packed out. So... Pretty embarrassing, to be honest with you. Anyway, Yuri Perez is going this evening. I mean, this is the premier matchup of the whole week, of the whole series, by the way, with the Mets, with Senga versus Yuri Perez. So let's see what turns up this evening. But this will be Yuri's final start uh, at home in the regular season anyway uh, for the Marlins. And I must say, what a stunning season it's been for Yuri Perez. I love the fact that He's just blown by this kind of projected innings cap that was put out there. He's just blown by it. The Marlins try to protect him, and maybe the protection has helped because he's he's been able to kind of continue, I guess, at this point. So I guess when we reflect on that whole kind of Yuri Perez debacle, they sent him down, the Marlins start losing games, they bring him back up, they start winning games. Um, you know, but Yuri Perez remains healthy. That's the main thing. He doesn't look to be tiring. It's positive. He's got this start against the Mets. Looking at the schedule, he could well make another start against the Mets next time around. And then it's thinking about and thinking about the actual, um, the way the schedules line up. Could well be the Marlins make the wild cards and it's a three-game series. Decent shot, Yuri Perez is getting the ball in potentially game one or two. What a season for the young stud. It's crazy to think he's only 20, but... We need Yuri Perez. We need a massive start from him. I mean, this is the the highest pressure of pressure spots. No doubt about it. Like, the Marlins badly need it. The offense of the Mets is still lively. No doubt about it. The Marlins offense is going to struggle, likely, against Kodai, Kodai Senga. So, it's going to be another close game. The Marlins need to play a little bit sharper. And we need Tanner. We may not see Tanner Scott. He's pitched two, two days in a row. That's another interesting wrinkle here. The Marlins, in the last two games... They've had to turn to their pen, the leverage pen, a couple of times already. I do wonder if they if they need it, do they call on Tanner Scott again? Do they call on Andrew Nadi again? It's going to be a really interesting situation here um, because, 
you know, they every win matters, like I've already mentioned. It doesn't matter how you get them. It just, you've got to get them at this point. And I think Skip may go back to the kamikaze bullpen management he showed earlier in the year because every game matters. The Marlins, I think, are half a game back now at this point after uh, yesterday's results and obviously um, Monday's result too. So big evening, big evening ahead. Overall, Arise's ankle, big question mark. Didn't sound good. Let's hope that it's looking better. Garrett Hampson, in my opinion, needs to be the starting shortstop for the Miami Marlins the rest of the year, apart from maybe a day off here and there. It's time. Jake Berger, an absolute stud. No doubt about it. Tanner Scott, is he going to pitch this evening if the Marlins need him? Three games on the spin. We'll wait to see. Yuri Perez finishing off his regular season at Lone Depot. We need the win. I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow and hopefully celebrating that series win. I'll see you then.